morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Today we kind of have a little bit of a treat. It's not me. It's, it's a team up here, and they're, they went to, to Liberia. This is our Liberia team. They've been in, uh, we're in Liberia in May. Oh, yeah, we can give them applause. And I'll just, I want to know, I clarify, we did not decorate the stage uh, today with any of this. It would be really insensitive. This is for VBS, okay? Uh, but uh, Chris and Doug and Christy and Kent and Jeff are going to be here to share with us kind of what's been going on in Liberia and what's next. So if you would, give them a round of applause as they lead us today. Well, good morning. We spent 10 days in Liberia. And you can see there on the map where Liberia is located, in case you're not sure. We did a small business development training while we were there. You can flip to the next slide. I just have a few pictures here um, showing you uh, a little bit about our training. We were there for five days. We had 20 students, and we spent time teaching them about how they could have a small business of their own in order to plant a church. And Chris is going to give you a few more details about that. But I thought I would start with a test to see how well your geography is. So who can tell me how many countries there are in the world? Any guesses? There are 185 did you have the answer? <laughs> um, there are 185 countries in the world. Do you know which is the richest country in the world? That goes to Luxembourg. They have a GDP of 110,000. And GDP, in its most simplest definition, is basically the average income per person per year. So where does the United States rank? Well, we are 10th. We are the 10th richest. We have a GDP of 53,000. So any guesses where the poorest country in the world is? The poorest country is Malawi. They have a GDP of $226 a year. So where does Liberia fit into that? They are the fifth poorest they have a GDP of $454. So why did we choose Liberia? Well, there are a couple reasons that I want to share with you today. The first is that we didn't, you might say we didn't really choose Liberia, and, but God chose it for us. Back in 2004, a man by the name of Matthew Seca showed up at door, the doorstep of Life Community Church, and the leadership um, had been praying for an opportunity to be involved with the poor. Matthew um, lived in the United States. He was educated here, but he was a Liberian refugee, and he was looking for help to return to Liberia. So because the leadership had been praying about wanting to help the poor, um, they believed that helping the poor would be a great test to their faith. In Proverbs 14.31, we read that whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. And in Proverbs 19:17, we read that whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. 
So when Matthew Seca showed up at Life, the leadership simply believed that God was giving them an opportunity to be involved with the poorest of the poor of his world. The second reason why Liberia is because there is a need for the gospel. Africa in general has many ungodly customs and worldviews that plague the church. There's a lack of infrastructure, there have been devastating wars, there's widespread disease, and there's unstable and corrupt governments. And so for all these reasons combined, there are millions of Africans that are largely unevangelized. It's estimated that probably only 10% of Liberians truly embrace Christianity. Much of what is called Christianity is a dangerous mix of African tribal religions and the Bible. And today, the Muslim inroads are very evident. The third reason for Liberia is the fact that they speak English. This is a great advantage to us that we don't have to learn a new language or use an interpreter. Um, interesting enough, Liberia is the only nation in Africa of whom it can be said that it was born from America. In the 1800s, slaves, freed slaves, were sent back to Africa. Um, they were deposited and established what is now Liberia. So um, there are many tribal languages still, but their national language is English. It is still sometimes difficult to understand them, but Overall, we don't need an interpreter. So why am I involved in Liberia? Well, seven or eight years ago, Dave Smith was coordinating a class locally, and he asked Kent who from life might want to help. And Kent suggested Doug Gerber, and sometimes when you get Doug, you get his wife, Christy. So I saw it as an opportunity to use some of my organizational skills and so I really didn't know that much about the class, but I, I decided to help out and take the class. And so the class is called Perspectives, and we're going to touch on it in a little bit as well. But the class really opened my eyes to my role in the Great Commission. So I'm going to let Doug share with you a little bit about the Great Commission. I remember the first time... Uh, in Africa, Christy talked a little bit about the poor um, and reaching them and uh, impacting them. And I remember the first time it, when I was there driving through Monrovia, uh, the city that we kind of flew into or near to, um, we were driving along and I saw uh, a young kid about the youngest, um, about the age of that youngest boy right there. And he had a sledgehammer in his hand and he was just um, swinging it with all he had and busting rocks. He had shredded um, shorts on, uh, no shirt, just sweating away. And um, I asked the guy that I was with, one of our, our pastors over there, and he said, um, he didn't see him, but he said, oh, yeah, he was, uh, he knew what I was talking about. He said he was working, um, probably someone locally needed some rocks crushed for maybe some concrete or something. And, and he was just swinging away and busting them. He said, he'll do that all day uh, for one cup of rice. And then tomorrow he'll do the same thing. And I just remember thinking that, thinking, what, what can we do? Um, and then the Great Commission is what comes to mind. 
Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is commonly referred to the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore go and make make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have command everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I kind of want to zero in on therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore go, pretty plain. I remember a missionary telling me, he said, Doug, therefore go simply means you go. Um, Okay, I can understand that. Um, I I, I never forgot that he said that. Uh, The second thing, the second part of that uh, short, short section there says, make disciples. And we've talked a lot here at Life about making disciples and, and the idea of multiplying. Um, uh, a simple way to say maybe that part would be to, to train or to help someone come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And once they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, train them in order that they can teach someone else to come to the same knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then on and on and on. So really, it's a reproduction of the Christian faith moving it forward. But here's where it gets a little tough. Of all nations. The word nations is often thought of as a country or state. The Greek word for, the Greek word for nations, ethne, from which we derive the word ethnic, is best defined as culture or people groups. You can break that down a little bit further. Uh, a group uh, might be separated because of their language or, or because of their religion or, or a political standing, uh, social reasons. For example, here, right here in our community, um, we have the Amish. We would say that they're another people group uh, due to maybe part, uh, that would probably be a social reason um, and then, then some of the other reasons, or, or when we go to Liberia, we run into uh, different tribal groups. Th- those would be different, or, or different languages within those tribal groups. Um, that would separate them, separate them into different people groups. Um, so if we look at that part of the Great Commission, therefore go and be disciples of all nations, we might say it this way. Therefore go and instruct someone in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that they can instruct someone else in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in order to reach all people groups. Oswald Chambers said it this way, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. Can you live for God's global purpose without being a missionary? Yeah, I think we can. I'm confident of that. But I think in some ways we can all be, in a sense, a part of what, of missionaries and what's going on with them. There's there's four different ways here. The practice of going. There's two ways. The practice of going is what what we would call a missionary. I think of Jonathan and Lisa, um, who spend a lot of time when they're here at life or some of the time they're here. Um, They've gone about as far away from here as they can. Uh, they, uh, they've not only moved, they've not only gone there, they've taken, they've packed up all their, the stuff that they need. They've taken their children, their family. They've moved there and, in, and now live with a different people group, far different than what they grew up with. That's full-time missions. Several people from here, um, 
uh, I can think of a lot of people that have gone on short mission trips. That would also be going. Number two, practice the practice of welcoming. Um, when someone comes our way, when someone comes into our community that's a, a different people group, uh, I can think of the Burmese that um, have moved into Fort Wayne in the, in the past, you know, several years. Um, that group... That group is now even in Bluffton. They, they work at Peyton's. And I can think of people here that have, that have been involved in their lives to, in some ways to help them get jobs, to also um, help them, I believe, in gardening. Uh, the practice of sending. Um, we could, uh, in a way, the practice of sending might be um, getting to know missionaries when they come here. Uh, Jonathan and Lisa come back. We spend time with them. We learn their stories. We understand what's going on with them. Um, in a sense, it kind of creates a, a better understanding of what's going on, uh, builds maybe a desire for us to to want to even know more. Um, we can help in finances. We can help in without question in prayer. Uh, the more we know them, the more we know their stories, the more they become it becomes personal to us. Um, we can give our gifts, in a sense, give our skills, share our skills that we have with them. Uh, and then finally, the practice of mobilizing. Um, I can think of, of uh, some of the things that happen with Jonathan and Lisa simply because they're missionaries. Uh, there are people in this area that help them with their newsletter so that that can be shared among this community and the community understands better. Um, um, another, It's like this. The more... The more we uh, have a passion about something, the more we speak it out. So sharing, sharing what's going on with a missionary or, or what's going on to, to other people or uh, where they're working and their stories. Um, God's Word in Matthew says, in Matthew 12, 34, says this, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So our passion is going to come out. Um, The bottom line is this, for God's purpose in the world is not an issue of just location, but of lordship and lifestyle. Acts 1.8, you've probably heard this several times, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I imagine Christ walking through the door, if he were to speak to us, he might say, believers, here at Life Church, um, go out and impact the world for Christ. Disciple people here in your own community, here in Bluffton, um, and then go to Indiana, and then, and then America, and then to the ends of the earth. And right now, this group of people right here happen to be working in Liberia. It's a bit of an ongoing thing, and I'm going to let Chris kind of share with you what's happening now. Thanks, Doug. Well, I'm, I'm kind of an outdoors guy. God has wired me to be in the outdoors, to, to hike and camp, and, and just be more of an outdoorsy person, and, and also to look for the adventure. So when I began to get involved in missions, I was looking at the adventure. I thought, well, I'll, 
I can do things with my hands. I, you know, I can go to a, a country and sleep on the floor and, and get by with minimum food and necessities because I've camped. And, and then I kept, God kept bringing that verse to me, you know, therefore go make disciples of all nations. And I thought I was just going to go for the adventure, but God really revealed to me far more than that. He, he revealed to me that his word is alive in other countries, and they need help there, and they need support there, and it's all about Jesus. They worship the same God and the, and the same Jesus we do here. So I began to look at that and begin to build relationships, and God began to change my heart for missions and really show me what it was about, and it was about him. So if we look at making disciples, how, how do we do that? You know, Jesus started out with 12 disciples, and he, he walked with them and talked with them. They broke away, went and started their own disciple to, to teach other disciples and begin to plant churches. So which you look at multiplication, and that, that's what it's about uh, in Africa or any on missions or anywhere in the world. So if, would you rather have a million dollars today or would you rather have a penny doubled for 40 days? So a penny today, two pennies tomorrow, four pennies the next day, and so on. That's, that's how the multiplication works. So a couple keys of that is we need to make disciples who make disciples. We need to teach and train uh, other disciples, other areas of the world, maybe in our backyard, maybe over in a library like we've done. We need to teach them the Word of God, help, we need to equip them with uh, materials and finances to do that. And if we take that a little further, you know, what if, you know, we were discipling other people, and just like they're discipling people, they go out and plant churches, and those people make disciples that plant other churches. That's how the Word of God spreads. That's how the Word of Jesus spreads across the world. So, another second key is we need to plant churches that can reproduce and plant more churches, and whether that's here in the U.S. or in Liberia. So what have we kind of accomplished so far in Liberia? Um, we've had 23 churches planted. Um, there's been over 2,000 people in the last two years that's uh, turned our life over to Jesus. And uh, the third thing we've done over there, too, is help with uh, education. Education is a key in Liberia because they don't have public education like we have. We don't, they don't just have public schools. There is, but they're very few, and they're not funded well from their government. So they rely on private education. It means they have to pay to send their kids to school. Some families that have five children, they may only be able to afford to send one. They pick out one and send them to school, and the rest are not educated. So we've helped with that. It's key in, in, uh, in the church is, is that education. So making disciples and planting churches. Um, that penny a day doubled for 40 days, it's, it's $11 billion. So if we apply that to spreading the word of Jesus, planting churches, and saving lives, uh, uh, that multiplication will, will work there also. We've, we've seen it in other countries. We've seen it uh, uh, become effective. But this all takes money. It takes a little money to send people. It takes money um, to train and equip. So part of our uh, uh, training was over there as we were looking at a small business uh, to set um, so that church planters can set up their small business themselves, have support themselves, support their ministry, support their families, 
uh, even in their communities. And basically, you're making them as tent makers, just like Paul modeled uh, to be a tent maker. Uh, uh, small business for these guys not only equips them financially to support their ministry, but also gives them access. It creates access to other people, other people to share the word of Jesus. Um, they have customers coming in. They have people that they're uh, buying products off of. They're, they're manufacturers that they're buying from. They're suppliers, uh, people in the marketplace area. Just being that example, being the light of Jesus among them, just gives them access to that. Acts 20.34 says, You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. Paul modeled this. Paul modeled a, being um, a disciple maker. He was a church planner, and he was a tent maker. So we, we look at that same model to apply it to missions. Uh, the, the training that we did was through an uh, organization called Global Disciples Small Business Development Training. Um, that training had 16 lessons. So as Christy talked, we gathered them and, and began to go through those lessons. And it was everything from basic calculator training one night. Christy had them all around trying to show them how to use a calculator as far as figuring percentages and just uh, general addition. And they all can do that on their phones, but it, when you apply it to a business, it's a little different. Uh, we start out basically as what can they do? What, what is in their hands? What has God gifted them with? What do they have access to to start a business? Uh, what gifts can they apply to that business? And, and then how to research those ideas, um, how to look at that business to see if it's going to make money, not make money, whether it's uh, you got good access to products, uh, is it going to support their ministry, um, how to make, uh, keep, keep records, make general uh, financial statements, how to keep track of the products they're selling, what they're buying, how much money's coming in, all those things that sometimes in our own households we take for granted, but for them, that was a, a kind of a new concept on things. Uh, marketing, how to market the products, whatever they're selling, their services or their products. And then at the end, it, we, we had them write a business plan. We, we taught them how to write a general business plan incorporating all those things that we taught through the week. And they would submit those into us so we could review them. Here, here's some of our church planners, one of our church planners here. These, are, these guys all attended our training. Got uh, Zephaniah, he's the one in the white shirt next to Kent. He is modeling this. He is a church planner, he's a disciple maker, he's also a tent maker. Zephaniah, is, he lives in some of the more remote regions of Liberia. He's probably a couple hours away from the nearest large city, and that's by a, a, a narrow path. Um, the guys that's with him is his, his disciples that he, he is teaching and training. Uh, the guy right next to him, um, that's uh, Fritz. And then and the guy in the, in the green there is Eric. And then you got uh, Cephas Gee in the orange there. Zephaniah is modeling this. He's teaching these guys how to be disciples. He's also helping them plant churches in their regions, in their villages. And he's also teaching them how to be a tent maker. Zephaniah has a printing business that he uses to help support his, his ministry. And so these guys went through this program, and he's helping to uh, oversee them and model them. So 
go make disciples. That's a commandment. Just like Doug said, it's not an option. It's, it's a command. But if we're going to help these guys plant churches and we're going to help spread the word of Jesus, we need to help equip these guys. Um, you know, equip them with finances, equip them with training materials and things that they can use uh, to spread the word of Jesus. Kent? Thanks, Chris. I'm a, I'm a thankful man. I'm thankful for this team that, that uh, gathered around and said, I'll be a part of this deal. And so I'm also thankful that I'm part of a church that is a church planting church. It's not something that uh, a church that says, oh, all we're really concerned about is what happens inside these four walls. And so, so as a church, we're, we uh, have committed ourselves to go beyond the four walls. And, and these guys are doing it in, in uh, Liberia. And there are multiple places that, that it's happening. And it's just not Liberia. You know, Liberia is an interesting place. Um, very poor. Uh, $454 a year is their average income. But their gasoline price is the same as ours. So, so things are very, 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 very difficult for them from a perspective of uh, finances. And uh, as a result, what happens is that they, they tend to, or they want to become dependent. But that's not what we want to do. We want them to be self-sustaining so that they retain their dignity. And so that's kind of what we're we're about. And we, we want you to understand some things. And we're, we're glad you came today and allowed us to share this. But we also have some, some wishes and some desires that you would understand some things. And, and they're all wrapped around the go piece. Everyone can be part of the Great Commission if they want to be. Everyone can go in some fashion, in some way. And, and I can remember uh, as, a, as a, young, a young person, I was sitting in a church and there was, there was a guy up front talking about sending cows to Haiti. And that sounds a little bit strange, but I remember thinking, I want to be part of that. Someday I want to be part of that. And so what happened is that I began to pray. I said, Lord, can I be part of that somehow, in some way? And he began to honor that. And so I started to make some trips to Haiti. And when we make some trips to Haiti, then things started to happen. Now, I think the first thing that really made a difference in my life was this. I prayed a dangerous prayer. I prayed a dangerous prayer. And a dangerous prayer is what I call whatever prayer. Whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And I began to pray that. And the more I prayed it, the more things seemed to start to happen. And so, but it's dangerous from this perspective. One, it will cost you some money. And it did. It will, it will put you in places where you may not be safe. And it did. It will, it will put you in places that you're uncomfortable. And it did. And it's certainly not convenient. But what it does is that it gives you advantage that you would never go back. You would never, you would never say, I, I'm sorry I did that. I can guarantee that. Because you begin to learn some things in the, in the process of going. And the first thing I think that you learn is that you begin, you begin to um, see what purpose God has in you. It goes beyond what the secular world says. You know, there are a lot of good secular people who are good parents and who go to all the ball games. They really are. But as a Christian who's going to buy into the, uh, the Great Commission, it goes beyond that. It's bigger than that. And so that's what we desire for you. It also, it also 
reveals to you some strength that you never had. My wife, when we first went there, uh, didn't want to go. Matter of fact, we were walking down a path one day, and I said, well, what do you think? And she stopped and turned and looked at me and said, let me, let me make sure you understand one thing. I'm here for one reason. That's because I'm being submissive to you. At the end of the day, after, after three trips there where we stay for months, her ministry is more effective than mine. True story. We go at the end of the day, and we, uh, they, they might give you a shirt and say thank you, and they did. They, they said, thank you, Kent, for coming. 30 seconds. The next four minutes was all about Mother Jan. If you would have asked her or thought even gave her a thought that that would be true, she would have said it's never going to happen because God uses and gives you strength that you never thought you had and uses ordinary people. Do not underestimate God's power inside of you. There's another advantage that happens is that it, it sort of it takes away all your complaining. How many, how, many, how many of you have complained this week about something? Honestly, come on. Help me out. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I probably would have to have my hand. But what it, what it tends to do when, you do when you do some things like that, it sort of takes the complaining out. It, it really, it really it tends to do that. Sometimes we tend to sometimes complain about our food, right? You know, the school food is not very good, right? You know, you know complain about the lunches. What, 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 you know what? When you have friends in Liberia who are only eating one meal a day, you tend not to complain about food at all. How many of, how many of you are, uh, uh, you may be the young people saying, you know, matter of fact, I ran into a young this, man this morning. I said, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I said, going, ready to go back from school? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Ah, it's boring. I don't like it, you know. And, but I know parents, just like Chris said, who will have three or five children and they have to choose because they can't afford to send them all. They can't pay the school fees. They have to choose about which ones they will send. So as a young person, you, what you need to do is say, if my parents could choose just one of us, which one would they send? And I look back at my life and the three children that my father had, and if he had that choice, he wouldn't have sent me. My older sister was very compliant, very sweet, a good student. He wouldn't have sent me. I was too rebellious, too arrogant. So the complaining kind of goes away in the midst of all of it, right? We, this week, this week we, had, we had some ants crawling on our, uh, on our cupboard. Now, my wife could have complained because we don't like ants crawling on the cupboard, right? But you see, she knows Liberians who are in Africa who are not concerned about the ants on the cupboard. She's worried, they're worried about the snakes that might be in the cupboard. All at once, the complaining kind of goes away. And then in addition to that, it makes you grateful. You, you become so thankful for the simple things of life. I like sugar, right? And you do without sugar for about four months. Do you know how, how good it tastes to put sugar on cornflakes? Oh, you know, you just sit there and pray. How last, was the last time you praised that you had 
frosted flakes, you know, something with sugar on it. Now, sometimes that becomes a problem in the end, but boy, you can be thankful for it. How about, how about a hot shower? You know, when you've dipped water out of a bucket and poured it on your head, and you call it a shower, when you can sit under something and turn a faucet on and it comes out, oh, you just become so thankful. And it's a good thing. One of the best examples is a sit-down toilet. When's the last time you thank God for a sit-down toilet? What you need to do to increase your thankfulness is to go out into the woods someday this week and try to figure out how to do it without a sit-down toilet. I'm not really asking you to do that, but you might get in trouble, you know, so, so stay away from that one. But, but it does make you grateful. And so uh, there are some huge advantages. The second thing that we would wish for you, uh, especially if something stirs inside of your heart and you're saying, I, I want to be part of that. Not necessarily Liberia. It doesn't have to be Liberia, but I want to be part of the Great Commission. What you need to do is that you need to go on a journey in which you will learn and study. Multiple ways that can happen here in the U.S. And the first thing you go to the scriptures and you just say, you ask a simple question. What do you expect of me? He doesn't expect the same thing from everyone. But let, what he does expect is that to whom much is given, much is expected. And I tell you, there isn't one person in here who a Liberian would not look at and say, that is a rich man. They would all say that. That is a rich man. That is a rich woman. Because you come from America and you have these kinds of opportunities. So, so go to the scriptures and see what he has to say. Jesus, when he, was, when he was here upon earth, he said, the spirit has anointed me to go and preach the gospel to whom? It's in your bulletin. To whom? The Jews? The Romans? To who? Talk to me. The poor. Why would he say that? Why would he limit it that? I'm not really sure, but I remember thinking to myself back in 2004 when we were here and we were, Matthew Seca showed up at the door. And I remember thinking, if God said that he wanted to preach to, to the poor, why should we not want to do that? And so that was my prayer. And it was a whatever prayer. Wherever, whatever, whenever, we'll, we'll do it. And you're part of that as, as Life Community Church. So in addition, you ought to go to the library. Not only go to the scriptures, but go to the library. Multiple books that are awesome that will teach you and inspire you to do more than what, what you've done to this point. Really encourage you. I wrote, I wrote down my 25 favorite books. I'll send it to you if you, you put a request on your communication card. But it, my books are not necessarily your books, but books like Purpose Driven Life, Screw Tape Letters, Half Time. African Friends and Money Matters, The Best of A.W. Tozer, multiple, multiple books. We should be readers. My, my grandson says this, leaders are readers and readers are leaders. He will say that. He can say, give me, give, me, give me your reader quotation. Readers are leaders and readers are leaders. You know, he always says it. I like it. I think it's a great tooth. Obviously, he loves to read. So, if you're really interested in going, and um, I'm talking about 
everybody can be part of the go in multiple ways. But if you're actually willing to take your body and go do something like that, if something like that stirs inside your, you need to go to perspective class. going to happen in Decatur, Indiana this January. Set your goals for that. Save a few bucks to do that. Thirdly, maybe you're not going to go to Liberia. Maybe you're, you're but, but you would like to be connected to it. And we just want to give you an opportunity to do that. There are a hundred people that we know that could use just a little bit of help. A parent who wants to send two children instead of just one. Hmm? Maybe they want to eat two meals a day. So there's, there's hundreds of people that, that you could help. And Jeff Freiger is going to come up. He's, he's offered to say, hey, um, I'll coordinate something to get people connected to the people of Liberia. And so what we kind of thought we would do is do a dollar a day for three years. Yeah, you're going to have to miss a meal a week or whatever to, to be able to do that, save some change or do, do, do however you want to do that. But he's, gonna, he's just going to put some names up of some people who could use some help today. And so you can communicate with them because it's English. That's a great advantage. And you can get to know them. And you can actually be part of spreading the gospel to the poor, just like Jesus. Jeff. Your dollar a day can make a, a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. Um, the first person I have to show you is Dukas Nelly. Um, she's the daughter of Augustine and Quan. They live on a farm. They're very rural. They're like 10 miles from the nearest school. And your money would be used to get transportation to the school or to pay her school fees. Otherwise, she will not get an education. Um, our next slide. Uh, these two ladies here, they, um, our evangelist Nathan Mulba has uh, grasped the business training and he started a palm oil business. And these ladies help him at the palm oil uh, location. They clean the palm nuts. Uh, they work very hard, uh, as you can see, and they make very little. And they have a family to support and they have school fees for their children also. In our next slide, we have Magdalene Mulba. She's just a brilliant medical student, um, and there's a huge need for that in Liberia because uh, the medical field took a huge hit with Ebola. They lost a lot of them to that uh, disease. And she's just a brilliant student, and your money would help uh, pay her school fees and get her a computer, and, and she can serve her country in the medical field. Uh, the next lady we have, uh, Blio Tume. Um, she's a single mom, she's got an eight-year-old son, and she's now a senior at African Bible College. And she got there because uh, she's being helped by Steve and Christy Bieberstein. She's got one more year, and then she can get a good teaching job and support herself and her son. Our next man, uh, Robert Lequi. Um, this guy is, is just amazing, he's a go-getter. Uh, last year he cleared a farm, and they dug their own wells by hand. Uh, and he's took the business training, and he's understanding that if he can raise his crops uh, during the dry season, he can get more money for them. There's a higher demand, and so he's uh, we helped him with a pump this year, and so he can pump his water up to his crops, and right now he's in need of fertilizer. His cabbage and peppers are up, and they need some fertilizer, so if you're a farmer or this touches your heart, 
this is a guy to help. He uh, actually uses uh, the connections he has with our other evangelists, and they bring their youth groups over and help work on the farms, and then they evangelize the local communities around them. So he ties himself in really well. Uh, the next lady we have is Success Tumblay. She's a junior at African Bible College. She was raised Muslim. Uh, she f converted to Christianity, and her family shunned her. Uh, they beat her. She's blind in one eye because they beat her with a wire. Uh, so she's totally on her own. She has no family to support her. So your money would help to get her schooling. And our last uh, example is uh, Chris Menden. He's a graduate of uh, African Bible College. He's a pastor and a carpenter. He has four boys, a set of twins. Um, he really needs help with his school fees. And as I said, as Kent said, I will coordinate uh, communications. If you want to fill out a communication card, your email address, and we can get you in contact with who you're supporting. Um, this is how I got involved in Liberia was through the dollar a day. Um, it's my wife helped Kent with his financial uh, affairs with this, and I hear these stories of things that are going on in Liberia, and so I wanted to be a part of it, and I wanted to incorporate my kids, because those are our first disciples to make. So we, we got a jar, a change jar, and put on our counter right where we come in the door, so everybody can just clean out their pockets and throw their change in the jar. And then uh, it made such an impact on my girls that both of them did overseas mission trips. Uh, one actually a month in Kenya. So it is a dangerous prayer. Thank you. I think John Piper, um, he made a statement that I think summarizes this well, but he says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. But worship is. And missions exist because worship doesn't. The reason God gives us our mission is to bring about obedient, life-filled, or love-filled and life-giving worship among people and in places where there is none. So when this age is over and the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more because it's only a temporary necessity. Psalm 67, 3 and 4 says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we just praise you today. Uh, we thank you for your son. Uh, Father, that you would love us enough to provide a way, not just for entrance into heaven, that you would fill us with your spirit so that we could attain far more and greater things for your kingdom. Uh, Father, we thank you for that. We just ask that you would touch hearts in this room today, that you would place calls on people's lives and that they would be bold and, uh, and respond, Father, to, to the need, this huge need. And we just thank you for this day and your son. And we pray all this in his name. Amen.